Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Helio Fandom Podcast. My name is Saint. And I'm Jim. Now, you've been doing that a lot lately. You do the sing-song thing. Are you just uh, feeling your singing voice, or is that just you being playful? No. No, I just being pl- okay. Here's the thing: like I, I listen to a bunch of podcasts regularly, um, including uh, Fuel Your Fandom, which is uh, a big recommend. But I also <laughs> listen to this uh, screenwriting podcast called Script Notes, and it's um, John August uh, who wrote um, a bunch of movies you've seen, like the Willy Wonka films, a couple of the Charlie's Angels movies. He wrote Aladdin um, and some other great stuff, and it's co-hosted by a guy who I worked with a little bit when I was in LA doing the screenwriting thing, Craig Mason who just won an Emmy for um, his HBO Chernobyl series. He also wrote the last two Hangover movies and Identity Thief and some other great movies you've seen. And um, anytime they introduce themselves, uh, John August says, Hi, I'm John August. And then Craig does a little something different with uh, whatever his intro is. So it's a total ripoff. It's a total <laughs> aping of a guy I know who does a podcast I listen to. And it's just a little little something fun I do for myself. So, um, you know, I, the, I mean, this is also something fun I do for myself. So, you know, the whole thing is just super self-indulgent. Well, I hope you have fun doing it. I have fun doing it. Uh, well, absolutely. Speaking of podcasts, I just discovered, okay, so one of my favorite shows in recent memory, probably within the last uh, two decades even, was The Sopranos. When it came on, it was mm-hmm. pivotal in creating this uh, format of television, premier format television that we didn't have really a lot of experience with coming up to that. And This peak TV movement that also included stuff like The Wire and Breaking Bad. Right. You could do anything you want on cable. Right, exactly that. And so I discovered real recently that uh, they've been doing a podcast, kind of like what Mission Log does, where Mission Log breaks down each episode in turn and gives you trivia and behind the scenes, and they give you a recap of the show, and then they break it down thematically. The difference being, now this podcast is called Talking Sopranos, but it's not hosted by fans of the show, like John's a fan of the show for Star Trek, Norm's a fan of the show for Star Trek. So that's they're coming at it from a fan perspective and from a fan analysis. This is Talking Sopranos podcast is hosted by Michael Imperioli and Steve Shripa. Oh. Uh, otherwise known as uh, Chris Moltisante and Bobby Bacala from The Sopranos. And so you get like straight from the horse's mouth you're getting all this good behind the scenes trivia. They do in- they do interviews with uh, cast and crew and it's just been amazing, and, and I found myself riveted by this. But it's like, I think Mission Log with an R rating, because they, 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 <laughs> I mean, I, they swear more than anything, and, and it's, it's beautiful, because it feels like you're right there in the room with them. It's fantastic. There's no pretense. It's all just uh, talking about the episode. I just listened to them do one today where they were interviewing Lorraine Bracco, and uh, it was absolutely phenomenal. So, highly recommended if... Uh, if you're looking for podcasts to listen to after you're finished with the Fuel Your Fandom podcast, oh, of course, I would recommend mm-hmm. uh, Script Notes. Or was it Chris Script Notes? Script Notes, yeah, Script Notes. It's fantastic. Uh, as John August says in the beginning of every episode, it's a podcast about screenwriting and things that are interesting to screenwriters. And uh, they definitely adhere to that. Um, it's like a, if, if you're at all interested in, in, in the behind-the-scenes process of how films are written and, and produced, uh, directly from the mouths of a couple of guys who are absolutely veteran screenwriters who've been doing it for a very long time and who are very accomplished and, and have great IMDb pages, then those are the guys to listen to. Um, and they've been doing, uh, they, they just, I think they got, they're over 500 episodes now. They've been doing this for Damn. a weekly episode uh, for, I, I want to say, a good seven or eight years now. And I've been listening the whole time, and they're just, uh, 
They're just entertaining, and uh, they have really interesting personalities. They have very divergent personalities. Uh, John is very um, direct and businesslike, and Craig is a little more cynical, playful, avuncular, kind of uh, crabby a little bit. He, he's, he's kind of got a, a real... Um, an interesting take on, on the, the the craft and process of screenwriting, and and uh, so they, they they foil each other very well, and it's it's uh, um, yeah, like uh, John will always say, "Oh, Craig, what are you, what are you taking umbrage with this week?" And it's maybe like either uh, creative changes process to the to, to the scripts, or maybe some upcoming strike or something. They had a whole bunch of stuff going on uh, during the episodes about um, when the writers guild was threatening to strike because of package deals with agents and. That kind of thing, and then uh, Craig will turn around and give John all kinds of crap because he calls John an android. He says, uh, you know, the whole time that the whole meta uh, Facebook Mark Zuckerberg thing was happening, he was saying stuff like, ah, so, you know, give us the android American perspective on uh, what Zuckerberg might be thinking with this process. So they, they, they play off each other well. They have a great dynamic and a, a fantastic chemistry, and, and frequently they have guests as well, other screenwriters, showrunners. The episode I just listened to, they had a... Um, uh, a business writer for, for Bloomberg who wrote an article about a guy who um, <clears throat> sort of chased down and exposed an illegal debt collector, and they were talking about it from the perspective of uh, something they talk about frequently, like, well, how could this be a movie, where there are things that are happening in society or in the news, and they sort of, like, kick around, could we make a film out of this, and, and if we did, how would we write it? And it's just a really... I like that, conceptually. It's, it's, it's a great That's... podcast. Yeah, they do How Could This Be a Movie quite a bit. Usually at least once a month they'll have an episode where they, they have a, at least a segment where they talk about something that happened in pop culture and news and they talk about how they could possibly make a movie out of it from from the perspective of the guys who, who actually write the films. And it's just a great podcast. It's one of my favorites. Well, I'll have to give that one a check out. And I, you, Were you a fan of The Sopranos? Would you, did you watch The Sopranos? On you know what? The Sopranos, when this, I didn't have HBO when The Sopranos was on and it's, again, one of those things that's, that's forever been on the the pop culture backlog of things I need to catch up on because now I do have HBO Max because, um, you know, it's it's a, a streaming service and therefore it's the law and I must have it. <laughs> um, so I, I really need to carve out some time. This week is busy as hell, but um, hopefully over the holidays. I actually looked at... Um, this is how I know I have the right job, if I can tangent for a second, sure. like we never do on never. this fucking podcast. Yeah. Um, I have the right job. Not only can I work from home and essentially make my own hours, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm kind of carving out some time in my day to take care of this because my uh, I got band rehearsal later and my, uh, my, my work day is pretty full. But I got contacted uh, while I was on a semi-vacation this week, on a working vacation, but on a vacation nevertheless this past week, uh, by my boss's boss, my department head, who said, uh, hey, Jim, I noticed that you have 18 days worth of paid time off that you need to take before the end of the year, or you're going to lose them. And uh, this is my bad, actually. Um, uh, he said this, and I also feel like it's my bad, partially, because I don't log into my human resources panel as often as I should. Naughty. I should have seen all that time. Right. Yeah, I know. But, you know, if I don't, uh, I don't think about it, because <clears throat> I think about working, I don't think about taking time off. But I have all this time, and I actually literally did not have uh, enough time to take between now and the end of the year uh, before I lose it all. And that's kind of a pain in the ass. I'll probably get a payout for that time, but we're transitioning to a um, uh, an unlimited paid time off within reason model next year, hmm. so we don't have to worry about banking hours. But I had 18 days of paid time off, so I'm only working 10 days next month. I wound up taking off the first week, a couple of weekend days to give myself longer weekends. Um, but when your department head says, hey, you're working too hard, you're not taking enough time off, you got to burn some time next month, uh, then uh, that's always a nice thing to hear. So I'll definitely be doing that. So hopefully during some of this holiday lull when we're not working, 
um, I'll be able to uh, to go ahead and finally catch up on some of this pop culture stuff that I have been oh yeah meaning to get to for literal years in some cases. Absolutely, and and one of the things we're going to talk about not this episode, next episode, I believe we discussed it. Uh, we've got uh, a, a topic about antiheroes and talking about the Sopranos that kind of fits right into that mold of of these antiheroes, yeah. these uh, the characters that you root for that maybe you shouldn't be rooting for that are kind of a evil kind of <laughs> nefarious and and so we got a whole topic about that coming up but not today your deadpools your walter whites your spider jerusalems all these great pop culture characters oh, who yeah. maybe aren't the greatest people that don't fit into necessarily the the uh sort of mustache twirling villain or white-hatted hero uh but that we root for nevertheless because we see ourselves in them and and uh, gray morality is always something that really fascinates me in entertainment. Um, so I'm looking forward to digging into that when the time comes. Well, uh, like I said, you can always find uh, the Fuel Your Fandom podcast, at least, on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Fuel Your Fandom. You can hit us up in our Gmail if you have topic ideas or guest suggestions. Uh, that is, of course, fuelyourfandom at gmail.com. And the backup Gmail address is fyftalentbooking at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram at at FuelYourFandom, on Twitter at at Fuel underscore Your. And, of course, we're still collecting donations for the Fuel the Future charity program, which is going to help us put uh, comics into the hands of underprivileged kids. And you can find us uh, on PayPal. Venmo and Cash App at, at Fuel Your Fandom, all three places. We made it nice and easy for you because uh, we like to make things nice and easy for ourselves. So if you want to drop a couple bucks on us for the holidays, if you got some cash burning a hole in your pocket that you'd like to use to help us help kids, then uh, we'd love to uh, to hear from you on that. Absolutely. Like I started a, a fundraiser on uh, one of those, you know, the fundraisers that Facebook allows you to create. I started yeah. one for uh, the charity and. Uh, Every single time that I went to share it, it wouldn't allow me to share it. It said it was a broken link. And I, I, like, I got it out the first time. I think I managed to find a way to share it another time during the, like, the run of the campaign. And I got an email from, uh, from Facebook going, Hey, you raised $27 for your campaign. You know, you, maybe you could have shared it more, shit like that. And it's like, um, look, first of all, we're going to have to have oh, a talk. Zuckerberg, you fucking nipple-hating android. I hate you so hard. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I tried. We're, we're working on it. We're getting the, the word out uh, one way or another. I've got yeah. posters on order right now. I tried to go to Walmart and do that, and and their, their automatic machines just kind of cropped them weird. So I'm, I'm, I'm farming it out to to uh vista print so we'll get that shipped out here soon and uh but yeah so jim how you doing man uh like i said you you were on a a little bit of a working vacation last week huh yeah and it kind of irritated me a little bit because as i'm on my working vacation um visiting my lady out in uh, eastern pennsylvania that's when i get the message from my boss saying hey you haven't taken enough time off so i kind of kicked myself a little bit thinking i didn't have to be working this vacation we could have had more time to hang out but uh one of the benefits of working from uh, from home is that you can really work from anywhere you can tote a, a laptop and connect to some wi-fi so um i decided to uh take a little bit of a break i was supposed to go to colorado uh, to go and visit a mutual friend of ours, but that wound up falling through because she got real sick. And um, so, you know, if Deanna, if you're listening, uh, you know, here's hoping that you're on the mend. Um, I know you are, but uh, nonetheless, it's it's uh, something that I worry about. So I pivoted. Instead of flying to Colorado, I thought, well, you know, I have this time. I had planned on being out. 
So why don't I just pivot and uh, instead of heading west, I will head east. So I went out to the Allentown, Bethlehem area in eastern Pennsylvania and uh, had myself a nice working vacation um, visiting my lady friend. And, and it was uh, it was really nice. That's actually not an area of the country I had been to previously, um, but it's quite beautiful out there. It's just a lot of rolling hills and valleys and and um, the town of Bethlehem itself. If you're a Billy Joel fan, very famously, you know that it was uh, quite a big steel town, um, you know, back in the uh, 50s, 60s, and 70s post-war, and then um, things kind of dried up a little bit, and a lot of the jobs went away, which is a bummer. Um, Steph's dad was a steel worker, and uh, he wound up pivoting to computer stuff uh, once uh, he kind of tweaked his shoulder and wasn't able to work anymore. Um, but yeah, that whole section of the the, uh, the country was real economically depressed for a while. But it is a beautiful area, and much like a lot of sort of like Rust Belt towns that had a lot of manufacturing at one point that just dried up for economic or uh, whatever reason, uh, they, they've really pivoted. That town has, um, has really bounced back, um, and they've done some great things with... Some people might call it gentrification, but, you know, I don't necessarily call it that. They've kind of turned themselves into a tech center, an entertainment center. Uh, there's actually uh, one of the old steel plants where they have the big double boilers in the back, the, just the big rusty towers that at one point used to, to, to make molten metal and pour it into molds and make I-beams and whatever else they did out there. They've turned it into a concert venue called Steel Stacks. And uh, so they have a lot of really great entertainment options. They, they, the town's really reinvented itself, and... And it does have some very, very beautiful areas. We, we wound up going to a really nice brew pub where they had this fantastic margarita-inspired sour. We went to a couple of different great restaurants. We just had a really nice time. I did have to work during the days because my dumb ass didn't realize I had the time to take off from work. But <laughs> it did wind up being a nice working vacation. And uh, one of the days we were there, we also uh, popped into Manhattan because this is another thing people don't realize a lot of the time. That whole section of the country, the old section of the country... Uh, is, has really was pretty densely populated, and there's a lot of things that are pretty close together. Uh, Philadelphia is only about an hour south of where I was. So we went down there for one day. Uh, Manhattan is like 90 minutes east, so we, we popped onto the island and went to go visit a friend out there. So uh, all in all, it was just a really nice trip, and um, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely head back out there at some point soon. That sounds exciting, and you and you had mentioned that you'd went to a, a deli out in New York, and I was really excited for you because I thought it was. Uh, one of my all-time favorite places in the world is Katz's Deli. It's 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 a landmark. It's a it's a it's a thing. It's it's a whole thing. It's a New York experience. Oh yeah. You went to the Katz's wrong deli, sir. Well, based on the food that I had, I wouldn't say I went to the wrong deli, but uh, <laughs> I'm not that familiar with Manhattan. Um, we were hanging out in Midtown and uh, walking around, and I did not have my walking boots on. These boots were not made for walking. So he hid it in one place. He knew he could hide something. His ass. Five long years he wore this watch up his ass. So I wound up with a giant blister on the bottom of one of my feet, but uh, it was, I would do it all again. It was still fantastic. But by the time I was like, I got to get off my feet, I got to sit down, I got to put something in my face, we were right around the corner from Ben's Deli, uh, which maybe not Katz's, maybe not Carnegie, maybe not one of the sort of famous household name New York kosher delis, but uh, it was nonetheless still delicious. And I had myself a nice big fat pastrami sandwich, um, you know, I uh, had... Uh, uh, some uh, God, what else? I had some, a nice chicken fricassee appetizer, which was delicious. Some ground gravy and meatballs. Um, you know, we just had a really nice time. Matzo ball soup. They had matzo ball oh, soup there, it. where the matzo balls were as, as as big as the bottom of the the blister on the bottom of my foot. Just you know, like the size of a regulation <laughs> softball. So it was just a, a, a fantastic uh, evening and. 
got to meet a friend and, you know, hang out in Manhattan for a couple hours. And New York has this undeniable energy if you've never been. I know you have, but uh, if anybody listening has not been, it's just one of those trips you got to make at one point. Oh, in your yeah. you got to head to Manhattan and just, just suck up the vibe. It's just fantastic out there. And, yeah, for sure. And uh, so we had a wonderful time, and, and then we, uh, you know, headed back home, and, and it, was just a, it was just a really wonderful trip. Yeah, no, I just had to give you a little bit of shit, break your balls a little bit about going to the a different deli. I, I, no, I kind of... That's, that's totally valid. I standardized on cats. I was only there for like eight days, and we ended up at Katz's twice. Uh, and like I said, it's kind of oh, a yeah. New York landmark. They, the, the pastrami on rye, I don't even like rye bread. And the pastrami on rye with Dijon mustard, stone ground Dijon mustard, which I also don't like, was phenomenal. It was one of the best sandwiches I've yeah. ever had in my life. Like you said, the matzo ball soup, the fresh pickles, everything like that. This is for all of you who don't yep. know the same restaurant if you've ever watched from uh, When Harry Met Sally. The I'll Have What She's Having restaurant. That's the same place. Oh! Oh! Oh, God! Oh! I'll have what she's having. And uh, it was it was a, certainly an experience. And one of the funny things about that is when I came home and I tried to explain... Uh, how amazing and how gargantuan these sandwiches are and, and just how incredible the experience was. Uh, I was pointed to a website called, and it still exists, I just looked it up as of this recording. It's called Scanwitches. S-C-A-N-W-I-C-H-E-S dot com. Scanwitches. And the idea behind Scanwitches, and this is going to sound stupid as shit, but I swear to God I'm not making this up. You take a cross-section of whatever sandwich you're eating, you scan it. You put it on a scanning flatbed, and you take <laughs> a, a, a cross-sectional scan of the sandwich. And, you know, there's a whole bunch of sandwiches. I don't, I don't even want to know how many sandwiches are on this thing, but, uh, you know. That doesn't sound stupid at all. As somebody who is a sandwich aficionado, <laughs> I mean, uh, really, it's kind of like That's the, how you um, learn what, what the, a good the, sandwich the, looks like, is if you do that cross-section. I'm trying to see yeah, if they have a like search the, um, function, but uh, it's like the geology of the sandwich. You know, you, it's it's like taking a cross section of uh, uh, of sedimentary stone. You, you got to look at the layers and find out what's going on inside those uh, inside the bun or the bread or whatever you got. I just remember them having uh, uh, photos of the uh, pastrami on rye, and it made me hungry all over again once I got back uh, from New York. So, oh yeah, uh, but yeah, I had do had a good time out there visiting my buddy when he was out there in Columbia. Uh, he's been on the show, Dr. Robert Moorhead. He is uh, now in Pennsylvania at Penn State University. Um, Lovely state, Pennsylvania. Absolutely. But Long. I mean, that's the thing. That's <laughs> the thing that surprised me. Is that it, all the different uh, uh, crisscrossing the country that I've done in the last uh, number of years. Since 2007, I've uh, You're talking about East -West? lived and or worked in, in, in Milwaukee, Minneapolis, Los Angeles, Las Vegas, Richmond, Virginia, Fort Lauderdale, San Francisco, Vegas again. And I've been all over the place. I've been up by you in the Pacific Northwest. I've been to visit Portland. I've been down to Albuquerque. You know, I've been uh, Virginia Beach, everywhere. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the desert, bare man. I breathe the mountain air, man. I travel, I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. Uh, so heading out to Pennsylvania was a new experience. I had not been to Pennsylvania before, but I drove. I drove from southeastern Wisconsin all the way out to eastern Pennsylvania, and um, that's a long drive. I mean, you got across through Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, and then it felt like half the trip. I stayed 
in uh, Cleveland halfway through. But then my second day, pretty much the entire day, was just driving through Pennsylvania. It's a very, uh, <laughs> it's a very long state, wide, uh, wide state. So, so uh, the east west, the, the distance between yeah. Pittsburgh and and uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> the distance between Pittsburgh and Philadelphia is uh, is a good couple hours. So uh, you know you better budget some time if you're going to do it. But it is a drive I highly recommend. It's one of the prettiest drives I've ever taken. Uh, one of the others being. Um, Highway 70 between Grand Junction and Denver, Colorado. Every return is a postcard. And okay. um, I've been, Western I've done that drive through Central too. to... Oh, yeah, yeah. It's it's a beautiful, beautiful drive. But uh, Western through Central to Eastern Pennsylvania was also very pretty, just full of valleys and, and uh, hillsides and uh, just beautiful scenery. And, um, you know, it's, since it's a drive I'll probably be making again uh, sometime pretty soon, then uh, I'm, I'm glad to know that it's, uh, it's, not, it's not a boring drive. It's not, it's not Kansas, you know. It's, uh, it's not Nebraska, and it sure as shit isn't southern Wyoming. Um, just, you know, <laughs> it's, it's a very pretty, pretty drive. And would you say the hills are alive with the sound of music? The hills are alive with the sound of music. Um, probably. Because uh, I was definitely listening to my playlist from Spotify all the way out there. So there you go. the hills uh, were very much alive. Dying, I guess, a little bit because, I mean, it is fall and they were full of color. So I suppose the hills were uh, on a slight decline with the life, but they'll be bouncing back in the spring. <laughs> but they were definitely still alive as I drove through them, and the sound of music was definitely resonating through my, my, uh, my car stereo, which is a very good car stereo, so it was turned up quite loud. Absolutely great. Well, uh, I wasn't the one who came up with the conversation that we're going to have today. This was on you, so I'm going to let you take the reins here and discuss, tell the audience what we're going to talk about today. Well, yeah, usually, and okay, this is the thing. I make a lot of uh, noise about the fact that you, my friend, do most of the heavy lifting on this podcast. You are goodly enough to invite me to show up and just flap my gums for, you know, an hour, however long we go. Um, you mostly come up with the topics, you do all the editing, I'll do credit to you for, uh, for taking care of the lion's share of the work that goes into this thing, but today I thought, because I know how you are, uh, you're a lot like me, which is why the, we, we get along as well as we do, but you are reluctant a lot of the time to toot your own horn, so I'm gonna go ahead and toot it for you. Hey, phrasing! Um, your excellent band, Another Sentiment, has put out a record this week. We did. Uh, you've been hard at work recording it the last couple of months, and uh, it is out uh, yesterday. So I wanted to uh, take a little time to give you some space to uh, to kind of gash yourself up a little bit and to uh, to tell all the nice people listening about all the hard work you put into this record. Um, you know, give us a little maybe behind the scenes look at kind of what went into it and then we're going to, um, you know, maybe listen to some excerpts from a couple of tracks. Absolutely. I mean, I'm like you said, I'm not usually one to toot my own horn just because, you know, I, I I have pretty much the opposite of most lead singers I know. I have like a lack of an ego problem. I get embarrassed by it. You and I both, and, again, share yeah, that. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's what, what endears us to each other. I think that's why we're such good friends is because, you know, we just don't seek out the limelight. Like this whole podcast, no. I, I don't do it to hear myself talk. I do it to hear my, my friends nope. talk. And I mean, and that's why I designed it, why I put it together. And I don't, I, I don't do music uh, because I think it's ever going to make me famous or anything like that. I don't seek the limelight or anything. It's just an artistic expression for me. And so yeah. that's kind of how I, I picture it. But I'm not, I'm certainly not one to have that kind of ego. So uh, it's difficult sometimes to talk about it, but I mean, I think it's worth it. Like I think the guys in the band, we all worked really hard on this album uh blood sweat and tears and in most case all three of them like for real 
So and you can hear that. Um, yeah. Uh, so I mean, uh, how did you want to do it? We can we can uh, kind of go track by track. I did this kind of thing uh, this morning. The album dropped at uh, midnight on the twenty third, uh, which is today. As as of, as we record today's the twenty third. Uh, so it dropped um, this morning at midnight, and I was up for work at oh shit! I was at work at three in the morning, and so while I was waiting for my crew, I decided what I was going to do is just like take each track from the album and share it on Facebook uh, to my own personal Facebook page. I, I didn't want to blow up the uh, the another sentiment Facebook page with it, and it's certainly not something that would go on the uh, on the Feel Your Fandom Facebook page. But uh, I put a, each track, I would share each track in numerical order and then just kind of walk through a little bit of the inspiration for uh, the lyrics, at least, for the track and what I was thinking and the headspace I was in when I wrote it. And then I would share just a chunk of the lyrics. But we can kind of do it a little bit differently here because you know I can actually just play part of the song or, or however much of the song to kind of demonstrate what I'm talking about. So, I mean, it's up to you, however you want to do it. I'm just going to go backwards through your timeline, and I'll actually read what you put up so that you don't have to uh, say it again, and then I'll, uh, I'll I'll give you the floor so you can kind of talk about it. Yeah, however so. you want to do it, bro. I'm open. I'm not used to stepping back and taking the back seat, so it'll be interesting. So what I'm going to do is you have gone on to your personal Facebook page, as you said, and you've put these tracks up one by one, so I'm going to... Go through your, your Facebook feed, and I'm going to read these posts, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk about what you put up, and then I'll give you the floor so you can maybe expand a little bit on, uh, on, on more on what you said. So, sure. Track one. Track one. We call this one The Outward Psychosis. The basic gist of this was that there are several songs we had written that focus on mental health and battling your own inner demons. But this one is focused on those outward voices. The bullies, the haters, the naysayers. This is for them. And the lyric is, who are you to judge me? Who are you to stand in my way? Who are you to stop me? I'm asking, who the fuck are you? Absolutely. Outward Psychosis, track one. <laughs> uh, outward Psychosis, I mean, it's it's pretty much exactly what, what you said. It's just, uh, I... I I, I do a lot of self-reflective uh, thinking when I write my lyrics. I find myself going one of two places when I write. And I either go to a place where I'm writing about uh, political issues and, and civil unrest and, this, and the stuff that's going on in the world. Uh, and certainly yeah. that was a major focus of uh, my band previous um, to this one. But And, and with this one, I, I tend to do it a little bit less, but... Uh, certainly that's kind of how I write. I kind of focus on like a tool or a, uh, a Raging Against the Machine style like political influence. And uh, mm -hmm. it's not always the best fit, but you know, it's not too bad. So, 
But well, uh, it's not like there's been anything that's been happening in society lately that would actually cause you to <laughs> uh, to want to make any kind of political statement on civil unrest. I mean, you know, it's been pretty Could, quiet. Uh, so yeah, where did that come from? But uh, yeah, but yeah. So outward psychosis was my my attempt at, at kind of. Uh, turning that introspective lens on the outside and kind of just because I'm, I'm used to pointing a lot of that anger at myself at my my perceived faults my actual faults whatever but i wanted to kind of flip the script and kind of focus that on you know the people who are trying to hold you back and keep you down and 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 uh and, and not let you express yourself in the way that you mean to need to express yourself so that's kind of where that came from so and it seems like that kind of ties into track two. Now, before I get <clears throat> too much more ahead of myself, I should say we talked about the album, but I, I, I neglected to uh, to drop the title. Oh, okay. The album is called Ascending the Abyss, and it is from uh, your band, uh, Another Sentiment. It and, is. Uh, so, Ascending the Abyss. Ascending the Abyss, track two, um, also kind of ties into what you were just talking about. Track two, put up your fists. <laughs> This one kind of speaks for itself. Physical confrontation, violence, anyone telling you that violence is never the answer has never been bullied, has never been beaten. In a perfect world, sure, but this isn't a perfect world. So put up your fists and fight, bitch. Show me what you've got. Let's take this out to the streets. Now let's face it. You ain't the one that's going to stop my fucking shine. Absolutely. And and again, and that's exactly what I mean. I mean, sometimes these lyrics just kind of write themselves. I wanted something aggressive. I wanted something... Uh, in your face. I wanted something that, you know, I could fill with that righteous anger and not be pointed at myself and not be pointed at, you know, current world events and things like that. I mean, which is also easy a target, but I wanted something that was uh, a bit edgier. I wanted something that was a bit more aggressive and and uh, confrontational. I wanted something confrontational. Um, something you could throw down in a mosh pit to, and it's really cool to see people... Uh, uh, throwing their bodies against each other, uh, moshing out to this music because it's like, you know, I've been there for other people's bands who did that, and and it's really a, just a neat feeling to watch and and uh, yeah, so put up your fists, uh, uh, let's do this. Show me what you're fucking made of. I'll show you that I'm not afraid of all of the shit you say. Stop running your fucking mouth and put up your fists. It's it's a challenge. Now you know. I, I, this this is I'm looking forward to really digging into this album I gave some of these tracks a listen as I had time this morning but I haven't had a chance to hear them all but I know I'm going to do that very soon but this is one of the ones I listened to and I, I agree with you know as much as I hate to say this and I really do it must have been tough for you to write because you know the world has kind of beaten my pacifism out of me in a way <laughs> yeah. um, fact of the matter is I mean the, the good people follow the rules while the fascists of the world feel no such compunction to adhere to propriety. So that's why these pieces of shit keep winning. Not that we want to get too political on this, but I am about 45 minutes away from Kenosha, Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, so I was watching the, uh, the he, Sh he Who Shall Not Be Named um, trial with great interest, uh, hoping things would go the right way. They did not. Uh, they did not. Um, but, you know, I've often said the, uh, the compassion of progressives is really both our greatest strength and our Achilles heel. I mean, as much as I hate to admit it, 
until we start getting pissed off, they're going to keep pulling the fucking rug out from under us over and over. I mean, it's like, how many times can Lucy pull the football away from Charlie Brown before he gets fucking tired of it, runs up and kicks her instead? Again, you know, not that you advocate violence, but I mean, we're supposed to pretend like violence is never the answer, but like you said, anybody who's ever been bullied, who's never been beaten, who's never been shoved around, um, you know, at some point you get fed up and you have to adapt. So, and besides, besides that, here especially in Wisconsin, it's been very prescient lately and very much in the forefront of my head that like, if just up and killing somebody out in the world because you feel threatened by them is now apparently a legally codified thing to do, you know, uh, what kind of can of worms does that open? I mean, I, I'm yeah. not, again, advocating anybody doing anything, but at the same time, I mean, somebody on my Facebook timeline made a very good point about, well, what's to stop somebody at school? Um, you know, school shootings have been a pandemic uh, ever since uh, Columbine. So what's to stop somebody from deliberately provoking a kid in school and then using whatever dust gets kicked up from that to just pull out a gun and start blasting, claiming they felt threatened? So it just, it opens this can of worms that I just, especially, yeah, for this state is just a a sort of a bad thing. But, you know, at the same time, um, you have to be careful because, yeah, like you just said, like the message of this song is, you know. Uh, anybody who says violence is never the answer has never had to curl themselves into a ball and scream not the face while somebody kicks the shit out of them. Sometimes, you know, the only, the classic example is that the, the, the wonderful flow chart that I love, that I have found myself copying and pasting and posting on a lot of, uh, of uh, Facebook comments lately, the, the should I punch this Nazi flow chart. And, of course, <laughs> should I punch this Nazi? And one error goes to yes, one error goes to no. The other goes to no is, uh, is no, no, sorry. Uh, there is no yes or no. I'm going to backtrack that. <laughs> Should I punch this Nazi? One arrow goes to, is the Nazi within punching distance? And then the arrow loops around to, well, then move closer. And then they both <laughs> point to yes. Um, because some people, violence is their, is their milieu. It's the only thing they understand. Um, and again, like this is terrible to say, and it's terrible to think, much less say out loud, to, to sit here and make it sound like, if we're being taken out of context, it's like we're saying, just go out there and start kicking the shit out of random people. No. But turning the other cheek, increasingly, is just no longer a valid You're form right. of expression yeah, it, when somebody it, it's, it's brings the pain. It's become less and less effective uh, because they'll just kick you and stomp you and then laugh at you when you're the one on the ground bleeding and crying and and, and, right. and call you a pussy and, and, and get in your face. And, and so right. more and more, it's not an option to just turn the other cheek. you got to show that you're strong enough to not only handle what they're throwing at you, but handle everything else the world is going to throw at you. So keep that in mind. That's a very recurrent theme in this album. We're going to touch on that quite a few well, yeah. times. Because so. speaking on bullying and violence, which brings us to track three, The Calling.
And again, this is you speaking. I have so much to say about this song, one of the songs I'm proudest of having written. The last several years has seen such an attack on the rights of trans people all over the world, and the U.S. specifically, that I couldn't stay quiet. I wanted to shout from the rooftops my support for my trans family as an ally, and this is where I was able to find my voice. Every day, people all around you, people you care about, are trapped in a struggle to identify themselves, to know who they truly are, told who they are and who they have to be instead of who they feel that they are inside. We hear you. We see you. What you see and feel matters. Don't let anyone define you, control you. This fight isn't yours. We stand with you. We stand for you. This is our calling. This is our fight. This is our duty. This is our right. So, I mean, powerful shit there. And uh, for somebody who... It, it's it's really important as anybody who is a progressive person who does not align with the fascists, who does not align with the haters, to make it known that they are somebody who supports marginalized communities. Right, because it, it, it falls back on that, and I forget who said it, but uh, there's this great quote that talks about uh, uh, if you have... Oh, I forget who did it, but it was basically... Uh, if you're, It's not enough to be quietly supportive. You have to be vocally supportive. You have to... Let yeah. people know where you stand, because if you're... It's not enough to, to not be racist. You have to be anti-racist, absolutely. vocally and and progressively and aggressively anti-racist. And absolutely. the same goes for for being anti, uh, anti-homophobia. Yeah. And transphobia. That's important. And, and me, of course, just being another one of those uh, cis white guys just... Uh, Talking out one side of my mouth and not doing anything about it would be not very helpful, would it? I mean, it's it, it's no. it's certainly not my my fight. It's not my battle, but that doesn't mean that I can't take part of it. That doesn't mean that I can't uh, pick a side, run with it, and and support in any possible way that I can. And I wanted to find a the, way the that, analogy that that kind of enabled me to take that kind of stand and, and show my support and show my uh, appreciation and my love for for my trans friends and family and yeah, you know I keep thinking about the the, the pictures of the Revolutionary War where there were obviously the the people out on the front lines with the guns whose fight it was, but then there were uh, you know the drum and fife corps in the back. There were the, the musicians who were were helping uh, to establish the marching pattern. Um, you know they, they they were the cheerleaders of their day, and even though they weren't the ones out there on the front lines shooting the bullets, taking the bullets, they were they were providing the rallying call. These were the people that were there for support, and um, that's kind of the way I view our role as being people who don't belong to these communities. It's not our fight, but at the same time, we can let people know that we're there for them. We can make a whole lot of noise, and um, we can make it very clear where we stand because. You know, uh, silence is, is violence. It really is. And unless we, as again, like you said, like cis, straight, white dudes, unless we let people know um, where we stand very clearly and loudly, then the assumption could be made that we side with the people who uh, who are trying to relegate these folks to the, the legal status of second class citizens. And that's not going to work for me either. And, and like that, like that little, there was a, a poem at the end of the song that I read, and uh, uh, you got most of it, but there's a really important part. It says, "This, this is our calling. This is our fight." This is our duty. This is our right. Arm in arm marching forward, we forge the future. Only together can we overcome and make a brighter tomorrow. Hatred cannot be allowed to prosper. Love will always win the day. And that's just, that became yeah. uh, a rallying cry, a, a marching call for battle. And, and I mean, it's just, I stand behind that song. I've, I've truly one of the things that I've written that I'm the most proud of, so... The arc of history always bends towards justice, but holy shit, is it a bumpy road. Absolutely. It's messy. It's uh, creative. And, and, and yeah. I mean, it's, 
messy and chaotic yeah. and and it, it can definitely uh, you know raise your blood pressure, which uh, segues us nicely into track four. <laughs> it does. Ascending the abyss. You won't break me. Track four. Once again, you speaking. I was angry at the time, trying to find a target for my anger and failing. I had just been put off my medications, so cold turkey bareback reality was hitting me hard in the face. And through a little inspirational talk with my bassist, Brandon Hubbard, I decided that the anger in the fight should be directed at my true enemy, the negative voices inside my own head. There's no rest, there's no reprieve. The lies you tell yourself, lies that you believe. Where do you go to escape this hell? Inside your mind, your prison cell. The loudest voices only you can hear. The buzzing torment you can't see clear. No one around you can comprehend the tortured nightmares inside your head. I'll fight you harder than before. You won't control me anymore. Which, you know, for anybody who's ever dealt with mental illness, obviously this is going to resonate with those folks in a pretty giant way. Yeah, man. Like I said, I was just, I was really struggling because I wanted to have this this uh, in-your-face fight song. I wanted to have this, uh, this show of force against uh, this unknown enemy, and I was just... That was kind of the uh, like I, I listened to the to the the blank track and I just kind of trying to find out where it's going to lead me, and it felt like a fight song. Yeah. It felt like something aggressive and punchy, and and I just couldn't find a target for it. I couldn't find a target for it. And the funny thing is, is we used to practice at uh, uh, both of my guitarists and my bass player. They all used to live together in a, in an apartment in West Olympia, and so uh, we would go over there to practice once a week. And uh, so I go over there, and Brandon is sick as shit. He's just—he's not feeling it. He's not—he's uh. not gonna practice. He had like a cold, uh, and so he's in the other room, just kind of doing his own thing. And so we're out in the living room talking, and I'm reading uh, some of the stuff that I'd created for this song. I'm—I'm I'm talking to them about the difficulty that I'm having with this song. I didn't even know Dude was listening, and he comes over uh, from the other room. Uh, strolls through the living room like just wearing pajamas I think <laughs> says what if it's not a person you're fighting what if you're fighting yourself and then walks away like he just drops this nugget of wisdom on me and then walks away we don't see him for the rest of the day and I just sat there for like a minute and a half just kind of stunned I'm like wait a minute shit that? that's perfect yeah I like that. So, but yeah, he just walks into the room, drops that nugget of wisdom on us, walks away. Didn't see him for the rest of the day, and just absolutely broke my head. It's like shit. That's perfect because I had been struggling with uh, anxiety. I'd, I'd gotten uh, laid off from a job uh, that I was yeah. depending upon. It was a decent paying job and uh, good benefits and all that. Oh, and then boy. I got yeah. shit canned for no good reason. And with that went my benefits. Happened to the best of us. And with my benefits went yeah. my medications. So, and of course, being an American means that uh, you know, unless you're contributing to society, you don't deserve to be healthy. Right. Because all of our—I uh, <laughs> don't know if we have any international listeners, but 
America is still the only uh, industrialized first world nation on the planet that doesn't have some form of, of government health care. Uh, because we believe that, uh, apparently, the, the powers that be believe that health care is a privilege, not a right. So, um, yeah, if you're if you're struggling with health, whether it's mental health or physical health, and you need ongoing medications, oh boy, you better be, uh, you know, healthy enough to work, or at least uh, disabled enough that you qualify for public assistance, because otherwise you're just going to have to go scratch and do without the medications that, that keep you alive and maintained on a daily basis. And I just kind of want to point out to people, like, the things that, like, Jim's reading all of my excerpts that I put on... Uh on Facebook to go with these songs as I shared them, but this is kind of like if I had unlimited stage time, because I like to preface my songs, I like to tell people what I'm going to sing about and, and, and get people's reactions and, and, and things like that, but as everyone who's ever been in a band knows, uh, stage time is mm-hmm. extraordinarily precious for the most part, Yes, and you can't necessarily drop uh, a two, three minute excerpt on people about Oh, this is where I was at. This is my headspace. This is what the song's about. I mean, you may be able to get away with one or two, but uh, this this yeah. is my my basically. If I had unlimited stage time, this is just how I would intro each of the songs and interact with the audience. So you guys are kind of my test. And ideally, audience you that. want the lyrics to speak for themselves, but at the same time, I mean, you also have to sometimes provide a little bit of context. Right. Sometimes letting folks know what your headspace was while you're putting something together is is a valuable thing to provide for them. I agree. So, moving into track five. Track five of Ascending the Abyss, Rise Up. I always have to say this is you speaking because I don't want anybody thinking I'm trying to take credit for your hard work, but (laughs) a common theme in my writing, present through all of my bands, rising up through oppression, overcoming adversity, and seizing your own personal power. That thought had always resonated strongly with me. You've given to them all that you are. They've taken it all and want even more. At the end of the day, you're so fucking beat, you're ready to throw in the towel and admit defeat. Fighting back now is your only escape. There's no fate but that which you make. See, that's funny because that's... One of the random examples, I like to work nerd shit into my songs as often as I possibly can. <laughs> I remember with you know. with my previous band, I had a, tr- a track that I uh, weaved in a line from uh, Firefly, I Aim to Misbehave. And uh, in, in this song, I, I worked in uh, the line, There is no fate but what you make, but that which you make, which is an obvious reference to uh, Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Uh, which is something that Sarah Connor uh, repeats quite frequently in that movie. Um, the fact that we make our own fate, the fate that we create. So, Which they've since retconned out of yeah. Terminator. If you ever watched any of the subsequent sequels, it's like they're fated to die. That's just that. Their judgment day is fated to happen no matter what the hell. So, But it's a nice thought, at least initially. And so, yeah, so Rise Up was was kind of an idea. I, I wanted a song where I could uh, sing and, and do spoken word kind of partially and and not just be screaming the whole time. So it's kind of got a light, nice little mixture of all three. Um, 
And it's got a really bitchin' guitar solo at the end that I really like. The harmonizing guitar at the end. It's great. Yeah, man. All credit to the band Absolutely. Uh, for, for bringing these songs to life. And track six, Watch It Burn. This one is painfully simple conceptually. Yes. Watching the world devolve into protest, anger, and hatred, I found my voice. Often, change comes from devastation and destruction. Tearing down what was and rebuilding what will be, so prevalent in our society, a battle cry. They tell you all lives matter, boot on your neck, hate in their eyes, until you demand justice. Gun in your back, ears full of lies, they'll sit and watch you struggle. They don't care, blind to the fact while we're all out here falling blood on the streets, dead on our backs. Time's up. You'll never learn to take control. You have to step back and watch it burn out with the old, in with the new. And, of course, this is particularly resonant with me because a friend of mine is in the Wisconsin National Guard, and they had 500 guard soldiers ready to go to Kenosha in the wake of the Kyle Rittenhouse verdict, which probably wound up being a good thing. But you have to kind of, like, trace back the the impetus of, of all of this shit. There are 500... National Guard troops ready to go to Kenosha in order to possibly guard against a backlash from Kyle Rittenhouse's verdict. And Kyle Rittenhouse was in Kenosha as, as a, in order to go kill people. Uh, he's from Antioch, Illinois, which is a neighboring town in the next state over. But he went there specifically with his gun to kill people during a protest uh, because uh, a Kenosha police officer shot Jacob Blake seven times in the back. That was the catalyst for all of this shit that's been going on. Jacob Blake... A black man in Kenosha, Wisconsin, is paralyzed. He lived, but he got shot seven times in the back by a trigger-happy cop in Kenosha, which then in turn set off protests that brought this punk-ass fucking snot-nosed little shit into my state in a town where my parents grew up and where I went to college for the express intention of coming up there and murdering people. And then as a result of that, we have to worry about what happens with his trial. And then I have friends who are on call to potentially go and quell any further uprising and, and, and protest and and other shit on fire and it's it's just the domino effect the ripple effect oh, yeah. of these these actions it's it's you know that's what talked to me about this song that song I, I, this is one of the ones i listen to and it really talks to me in a way that that um you know because of everything that's going on right in my neighboring community it's just an incredibly timely tune. And it's funny that you mention that. It's and, and and the kind of the impetus between writing this song was uh, back at the beginning of all of this, uh, the BLM protests and things like that. Um, my sister is in the Minnesota National Guard as well, and so mm-hmm. she was deployed during all of the unpleasantness up there, the riots and the and the and all that up there. And uh, you know, fires are on TV, looting's on TV, violence is on TV. Oh yeah protests and counter-protest and this that and the other thing and and it was kind of very all over the place at that time and i found myself in a real difficult position because on the one hand i really wanted to support my sister i was very terribly concerned about her being uh on the front lines of this nonsense Um, but i also support the black Lives matters protests i support i support civil unrest to a degree i don't i had a lot of people who uh tried to equate it with all the violence and it's like no that's a fringe outfit that's a fringe element of it that's the loudest that's what you're gonna see but that's fringe 
but yeah, but I got that's the squeaky wheels getting the grease right. So, but I I started having that thought process is like change. Uh, the the operation of growth in this particular case is an extraordinarily messy project. It's it's loud. It's in your face. It's aggressive. It's it's painful and powerful. And one of the yeah. things that we need to understand is, in order to move past old ways of thinking, we need to move into the new. And and we've been seeing a lot of that uh, in regards to you know gay and lesbian and trans rights and and, and things like that um, for good or for bad and uh, like I've, I've been known to say on this show in, G, in general uh, that you know we're trending in the right direction uh, it doesn't look yep. like it but that's only because the change is noisy and messy and the, mm-hmm. the last vestiges of the old guard are kind of loud and wanting to be heard constantly heard they're holding on to this power they have like sand in their fist and it's slipping through their knuckles but yeah change is messy change is hard and occasionally you got to break eggs to make omelets and occasionally the phoenix has to burn to arise new from the ashes and all those classic metaphors and cliches but yeah, yeah. sometimes you, you have to forcibly tear down the old uh, institutions in order to rebuild on the foundations you have to do that and i think we're seeing that in a, in a very writ large kind of way what's happening in society right now I say. absolutely again a very timely song Right, and and so yeah, exactly that. You know, step back and watch it burn out with the old and with the new. Um, that was kind of my uh, my point, and you know, I I wasn't exactly subtle about it. You know, throwing in the, the All Lives Matter movement and uh, talking about how they say a good game until they got their boot on your neck, and of course that was a an unfortunate reference to what happened with George Floyd, but. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Sometimes the message needs to be pointed. Sometimes the message needs to be direct and and not veiled. And and I felt like that was the best way to go about it. So, I mean, boot on the neck has been a metaphor for oppression for a long time. And then we actually saw we saw a very literal interpretation of, it, yeah. of that when Derek Chauvin killed uh, killed uh, George Floyd, and and that set off everything that happened in Minneapolis. And I lived in Minneapolis for six years. I have a lot of friends in the Twin Cities, and a lot of them were very scared, and a lot of them were also very resolute. Um, which both of those things happened at the same time with a lot of people. But, um, yeah, tearing down these old edifices and, and rebuilding in their place is the only way that a lot of things, uh, it's the only way we really grow. Um, it, it's, it's painful. It's like breaking your jaw to reset it so that you can actually communicate. It's, yeah. it's, it's a tough thing, but it can be necessary. Uh, which brings us to track seven okay. of Ascending the Abyss from another sentiment, Broken Halo. I wrote this set of lyrics long before I had the ability to have it translated to actual music, before I had a band to flesh out the sound of it. I remember hilariously having to acapella sing my interpretation to my friend Shane Hubbard, and he then had to make sense of nonsense. The lyrics focus on the struggles of a regular man trying to be a good person in a world that does not reward the good, which seemingly idolizes the sinner. With the weight of the world crushing down, heavy's the head that wears the crown paying for all of our mistakes, bringing on our eventual breakdown, taking us all to the very brink, everybody's all brought low, all of my collected sins support the weight of this broken halo. A lot of recurring themes in this in, in this record about about how we really just 
it's just time to get pissed off about everything that's been going on. All, all of us, people who are progressive are just seeing their ideals getting eroded by people who just don't give a shit about following the rules or playing fair. Mm-hmm. And uh, this definitely ties into that for me. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like I said, this was, it was funny because uh, I was having a real hard time trying to express to the guys how I wanted this. Because we were talking about like, I had a whole bunch of lyrics from back before I even did this band, before I did the previous band, before I did the Tool Tribute Band, before I even did the Top 40 cover band I was in way back in the day. It was like early, early Kevin as a musician days. And so I came up with this concept that I wanted to do. It was uh, uh, basically the seven deadly sins and the seven virtues of man. And I'm not entirely Mm -hmm. sure where Broken Halo landed on that whole uh, plot, but the idea behind Broken Halo was just being beaten down to a point where you stop being uh, this good person. You stop focusing on being, quote-unquote, the good person because what does it get you? What has it earned you? What has it bought you? You've sat here and watched everyone around you advance, either by you know deceit or trickery or lies or, or yeah. whatever. Um and, and I wrote a line in there that I really enjoy because it, it's self-referential uh, to those who know me. It says, uh, you burn your candle at both ends till your wick burns low, your flame gets thinner. It's hard to always be the saint when the whole damn world rewards the sinner. And that that's kind of just the whole drive for that song was, was just that that line right there was my 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 mind frame at the time. So. It's so true. It's so true. And it resonates in particular with me because I'm a reforming people pleaser. Um, I'm a six foot five, 320 pound guy. I'm a big dude. And as a result of that, my parents took me aside when I was a kid and said, look, it's going to be in your best interest not to be intimidating or frightening or threatening ever. (laughs) Right. So I took that to heart. And instead I I overcorrected to an absurd degree and kind of became a doormat because I wanted to be well liked. I didn't want people to ever be scared of me. So I put myself in a position as a person, my entire personality was I want to be well liked so in order to do that I'm going to be a conciliatory doormat I'm going to let people walk all over me and I did that in relationships both romantic and and, and friendship wise I allowed myself to be taken advantage of I was always the guy that would give you the shirt off my back and then have to put aloe on my sunburn I would throw you my car keys and then walk you know three miles to get where I needed to go that kind of shit so I still am kind of that guy in a lot of ways but I also I'm getting to the point now where I have kind of put some brakes on that. I've thrown some spike strips down in the path of my, of my sort of uh, my juggernaut of self-deprecation, and I've gotten to the point now where I will still help anybody who needs help. I, I will be there for you. I'll be, uh, I'll, I'll carry you through the tough times. I'll be a shoulder to cry on. I'll, I'll, I'll throw you my last twenty bucks. To the point where it does not do damage to myself, and that was a really hard threshold to cross. Right. I will help you, to the point where it does not cause harm to me and that's a really tough thing because it's anathema to my life experience to my personality to ever ever in any instance put myself first um but i'm, I'm having to learn to do that just for the sake of self-preservation in a lot of ways and um it, it's something i should have done a long time ago because it's really done wonders for my my self-image it's done wonders for for my my constitution and my well-being um i, I don't sacrifice my self-respect anymore uh, for the sake of, of, of 
making somebody else's life just that much easier. Good. And that's been a hard thing to get to. Absolutely. You know, it really has been. I'm in the same boat. I, I just I find had, myself I, you know, exactly I, the same yeah. way. I, I, I'm yeah. always trying to make sure everyone else around me is happy while my own mental state just deteriorates. And mm-hmm. and that's, again, you can catch a lot of that anger in this album because there's a lot of times where it's like, you need to start turning that focus inward. You need to focus on fighting your battles. You need to focus on... Yes. Uh, on on advancing your positivity and mental health versus, you know, expending all this energy to help other people and and and, and, and again you just can't like pour out for other people from an empty cup. If your own cup is empty. Yeah, absolutely yeah. not. So that's great. Yeah, I, I like I said, I, I resonate with that a lot. I sympathize with your your plight. I've like I said, I've known you twenty years, so I know that's yeah. right. You you've seen that, and I've seen it in you too. We've we've both uh, kind of uh, sacrificed our own our own well being for the the sake of others and. And uh, I'll still be the first guy to help you, but um, it's just one of those things where I can't, I can't do it to the point that it hurts me anymore. I just can't, and I won't. And and that was a hard place to get to, but it was a necessary place for my personal development. So, right. all right, track eight of Ascending the Abyss, shut it down. of successor to watch it burn i wanted to follow it up with anger with revulsion with disgust at how far we have all allowed ourselves to fall constant battle a new civil war we're all fighting what fucking for red state blue state we're all the same all just pawns in this fucked up game they use religion race or creed to fill their pockets increase their greed they don't care they can't see the ones who suffer are you and me they have the power and we have none they pull the trigger with a fucking gun this simulation is out of whack we cannot fix this. There's no turning back. See, now this song was fun because this song was uh, one of the last ones we wrote before we went into the studio to record this. So uh, at the time when we went into the studio to record, uh, it was this song and I think the next song that we had never done live. And so mm-hmm. I had to, I was really still in the process of finding my voice during the song. And and it was a lot of fun. Uh, it was challenging. The guys keep going faster and harder. And, yeah. and they, they, uh, are trying to present new challenges for me, so that was great. But uh, in this song, like I said, it was a kind of a follow-up to Watch It Burn. Uh, I mentioned Watch It Burn in, in particular in the song. Uh, and I just wanted something kind of grimy, kind of gross, kind of, you know, get the point across. We've, we talked about watching it burn, but yeah. now it's time to shut it down. It's time to, to end it, you know. And uh, the first verse I kind of... Uh, attack social media at large uh insta famous like and subscribe youtube zombies on facebook live smash that like and subscribe button (laughs) vapid morons attention whores can't take this bullshit one second more uh brain dead losers you make me sick go eat the tide pods you fucking prick a big distraction (laughs) to blind our eyes so we don't notice all their lies so what's the answer? Where do we turn? 
Well, we fucking told you to watch it burn. Tear it down, increase the pain, rewrite the future, start again. So it follows that same path that uh, Watch It Burn was following. It's talking about destruction and uh, and growth through uh, breaking down and shutting down the, the powers that be and, and just kind of retaking control. It's not using... Like that verse talks about uh, social media in particular, how social media is used as a great big distraction to to uh, keep us tame, I guess, keep us down. and Bread and circuses for the masses. Right, exactly that. And then the second verse, the one that you read when I uh, quoted on Facebook earlier, is uh, uh, we're talking about uh, political infighting and how uh, they hate you and you hate them and and really it's all just kind of this manufactured show once again to keep us off our game to keep us focused on the wrong things meanwhile the people behind the scenes are raking in the profits they're they're yep they're just vile they're vile and and, yeah, and it's kind and of what i wanted no to go against so the, the, okay it's been uh, this is not gonna be news to anybody but uh hey we've been in a pandemic for the better part of the last three years no shit um, people, we've lost almost a million people in this country mm-hmm. and it's fucked up everything from supply chains to the labor force to, uh, to everything. But during this pandemic, we had not one, not two, but three billionaires launch private space programs, private space programs. Now imagine, just imagine being a guy who, and I'm not going to name any names, <laughs> Elon Musk, but like there's a guy Bless you. who... Hasn't, thank you, because I'm tied to myself, who has more money than he knows what to do with, and he'd never be able to spend more in money several than lifetimes. common sense, let's say. In one day last year, he made $36 billion because of a stock increase. $36 billion. And rather than say, hey, guess what? We're going to, I don't know, clean up the water in Flint, finally, or we're going to, you know, give uh, everyone under a certain age uh, health care. We're going to take care of homeless veterans. No, no. Okay, instead, I'm going to build a rocket ship and fuck the sky. How about that? I mean... Excuse three, me! Three billionaires. Three different billionaires. Sky. Three different... Not just, One would be egregious. Two would be disgusting. Three different billionaires all saying, guess what? Yeah. I could be Batman. I could write a check... And cure hunger, but no, I'm gonna build a rocket ship and go. First of all, the the, the underscoring the the absurdity of, of of spending your money on that. But we should also be a little bit concerned that billionaires are literally trying to leave the planet. Did anybody see Elysium with Matt Damon and Jodie Foster? <laughs> I did. Um, oh, sure, that's so that, that's the pop that. culture you saw. Okay, I got you. But well, I, I saw it because it was. Uh, it apparently. I, I had a friend who was who worked on the movie the Halo movie the the based on the video game the Blokane. that was in the development that got yeah that yeah that translated that that um I had a friend who worked on an early draft of that script and that was something that eventually became Elysium and any any video game fan who doesn't see the uh, the lineage there of oh there's a ring shaped satellite in the sky uh they're, they're just not paying attention right. so uh, I did see that movie because I had a, um, a vested interest in seeing the way they went with it based on where I knew it started. But, um, yeah, so, uh, again, once again, a timely track and uh, one that, uh, that touches on social issues and, and kind of punches up at the folks that need punching. And um, continuing theme, right? with that sort of uh, 
Yeah, set semi-violent theme. We have track nine, which is uh, "Slit Your Throat." Oh, this is one of my favorites. This is a new, new one. Now this one, before I even get into the description of this one, I, this is another one of the ones I listened to based on the description. And uh, yeah, uh, as you can well imagine, just kind of the thing we talked about, about being reformed people pleasers, uh, this resonated with me because of the thematics. But let's get into it a little bit. Sure. Track nine, slit your throat. You ever have that one person in your life that have done so much damage, caused so much pain that you wouldn't piss on them if they were on fire? Yeah, me too. And I'm going to say for me, yeah, me too. Now back to you. That's where this song comes from. It's dedicated to... Ah, now that'll be telling... Punishment for all of the stupid shit you've done to me. A lifetime full of pent-up rage, bottled up, now set free. Drag my blade across your neck. Your time is up. Embrace your death. I'd rather slit your throat and watch you bleed. For all you've done, you're dead to me. Now, this is one that I know you've been working on for a while because you played a snippet of it for me and read me some of the lyrics, I want to say, almost a year ago now. And I've been looking forward for a while to seeing what you did with it. And uh, the resulting track is... uh, you know, I don't want to play favorites. I'm not saying it's my favorite track on the album, but it's definitely a contender. I thought it was great because it's it, like I said, the band has been trying to do these uh, uh, new, different things with the tracks. Each track is different. We're not trying to be like, uh, yeah, like, like them or love them, hate them, whatever. ACDC, you always know you got an ACDC track. It's very formulaic, and we don't want to follow any kind of formula. We want to kind of branch out and try new things and find new directions to go and. And this song, uh, when they played the instrumental for me, it sounded very much like uh, a sea shanty, or a kind of sea shanty theme in the background with that. Yeah, I can see that. And it's like, that's kind of where my brain went with it. And and so, you know, I, I started thinking in pirate terms, and I kind of backburnered it for a while because I was I was just not finding the way to express it the way I wanted to. And I ended up, yeah. and I'll I'll tell. I mean, this is why not? This is my podcast. I'll do what the hell I want. But uh, this song is uh, I dedicate this one on stage. This is one of the few that I actually throw a dedication out, and I dedicate it to my ex-wife. And uh, <laughs> we we battled back and forth for years and years about student loans, and that was really. I mean, I never had. I had the good sense not to have a kid with her, and so that was good. Uh, so the really the only tether that we had to each other was uh, this student loan payment that had been uh, consolidated and and warped beyond all recognition. So I couldn't untangle my name from it if I had tried. And so yeah. she was always trying to juice a few extra bucks out of me. I was always trying to avoid paying it because I felt like she was trying to juice a few extra bucks out of me. Uh, it, it got real ugly for a while. And finally what happened with... Yeah. Uh, these pandemic uh, checks that we got, the uh, the stimulus checks, as me and my wife had decided enough's enough, we're going to offer a settlement and then legal document my way out of it. And so what we did, that's exactly what we did, is we, we put together an appropriate settlement. We had her approve it. We had it uh, signed, sealed, and delivered on the dotted line by a notary public. 
so it's contractual and uh, I even had my version of the contract uh, uh, signed and dated and then I had it uh, laminated and I swear I left it on my desk for like uh, a good couple of months just so I could every time I sat at my desk to work I would be able to see it and just smile because it's over and I mean, is there a lot of shit that I could have done with that money? Yeah, sure. I mean, but having the ability to cut myself free from that situation entirely and, and cut her loose entirely was very, very uh, cathartic for me. And that's when this song started coming together. And it's exactly what I said. It's like, I wouldn't piss on her if she was on fire. Maybe she's a good person now. Maybe she's not. I'll never know. Hey, sewer rat may taste like pumpkin pie, but I'd never know because I wouldn't eat the filthy motherfucker. Like, she could be the nicest That's person the in the world, but I'll never know because I'm done. I'm not going to interact with her anymore. I'd rather cut her throat and watch her bleed for all the bullshit that she's pulled. And so that's definitely where the inspiration for this song comes. And I know you've got a, a few people in your life that kind of fit that same bill as well, uh, without naming names. Oh, yeah, and... Uh... Even though I don't really care either about what this person is up to, occasionally things do filter back to me. And, um, yeah, let's just say that um, the bed that she made for herself and is, is choosing to lie in is uh, kind of a lumpy one sometimes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I can't really be bothered. Uh, there's not much I can, I can really, you know... I tried. I definitely tried. But um, we choose our own paths sometimes. And uh, I'm doing really great. As much as I, at the time, was pretty destroyed <clears throat> by what happened, in retrospect, um, it was one of the biggest favors she ever could have done me because the leaps and bounds ways that my life has gotten better without this person dragging me down, it's just immeasurable. I, but I it's not about me. Yeah. It's not about me. I'm just saying, <clears throat> I'm not going to be one of those people that hijacks the discussion. <laughs> I'm just saying that the universal themes you touch on in your songwriting are definitely ones that uh, a lot of people can relate to. Yours truly very much chief among them. I think I was just stalling because this last one's going to be a difficult one. So, But no chance, no time to no, like the I'm present. Let's jump right into it. Yeah, this one uh, this one is tough. Uh, there's, there's, I'm guessing a reason why it, uh, it's in the kind of the, uh, the last spot on the album because it's the one that you're going to want to resonate as, as the sort of the last notes fade out. But track 10 and 11, the end. This is the hardest one for me to write about. This track is dedicated to my good friend Trevor Shalane, who lost his battle with mental illness and took his own life. It hit me like a punch in the gut. I've known him for 17 years. I performed at his wedding. He was one of the best people I know, which just shows you that you never know what people are going through. I wanted to memorialize him through song, but everything I wrote sounded trite and sugar-coated, and I know that's not how Trevor would want things. He would want to express all the anger, the pain, all of the feelings that would drive a person to make that choice that affects so many lives around it. If you need someone to talk to, to reach out to, there's help all around you. The National Suicide Hotline is 800-273-8255. Once again, that is 800-273-8255. You are not alone. I love you, Trevor. I miss you every day. 
I'm empty, nothing left of me. Trapped inside my head, it should be you instead. In turmoil, I cry in unrelenting rage. Lost, I cannot see. Where is my clarity? Shattered a thousand little pieces, bleeding on the floor, unwelcome anymore, cast aside, falling deeper in the hole, alone in my despair, and no one seems to care. Man, that's... It, it was... I'm just going to get the fuck out of the way of that. <laughs> uh, it, yeah, and I found myself listening to it this morning because uh, I, have, I have a commute to work, and, and so I listened to the whole album this morning, again, for like a millionth time, but... Uh, this song yeah. always is just so difficult for me to listen to. And, and yeah, so my friend Trevor, uh, we had been talking back and forth. He was in the middle of a divorce and, and, and trying to sort his life out after a divorce. And and uh, he wasn't doing well. And, and we talked uh, every week or so. We were continuing to talk. And uh, he lived down in Oregon and... Uh, we were trying to ha- beat together a song because uh, he's kind of more of a hip hop guy. I was more of a the metal guy, and and uh, we yeah. were trying to bash lyrics together to kind of do a. Because I told him, I said, "You got to come up and visit. We'll do a song with my band and record it, and and all this stuff." So I had this. Uh, I have I have a list full of lyrics that or potential lyrics that he had left me uh, when I would comb back through our chat prior or after his death. And uh, uh, it it just it was like I said it came across as trite um, because nothing really seemed to be an appropriate kind of response to this kind of tragedy this kind of uh, turmoil uh, and, and and trying to explain it I mean I have a very uh, a very very uh, strong stance against suicide i always have yeah in fact when i was doing film back in uh uh college i did a a short film an anti-suicide help film and uh so it's kind of always been in the back of my mind and and so like i i you know my initial thought process was to do something like you know pleading for help and and trying to get people yeah. to understand when you need help but it all just started sounding fake and hollow. And I realized that at one point that, you know, I had said that I wanted to speak with Trevor's voice one last time. I wanted to use some of the lyrics that he had given me to try and create a song. And then I found that that was entirely too limiting because I'm not Trevor. Because I'm not able to put the emphasis in the lyrics that he gave me in the right way. I wasn't able to interpret them the right way. And so what I decided to do was take it a different direction. And the song kind of was able to encapsulate all of the feelings that I think uh, anyone with a severe mental illness uh, can identify with. These feelings of abandonment, these feelings of loneliness, these feelings of despair, and, and, uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and be able to put those out there in a way that you know feels kind of like all those things that people you want people to hear but they're not hearing you know what i mean maybe you can't articulate it the right way maybe they're not listening the right way if there's a right way to listen but uh, i i i set all of the lyrics into a group chat we have a group chat my band and i and uh, i set it all in the group chat and, and brandon uh on my bassist uh he's just like jesus christ that sounds like a suicide note and i said that's perfect 
you found it because I didn't explain to them what my, yeah. my my what my message was for the song. I didn't explain to them what I was trying to do for the song. I was trying to find a way to express it naturally that would be evocative of that. And the fact that he got that from it meant that I had done something right. Uh, and as, so as hard as it is for me to yeah. uh, vocalize and, and express this song, and uh, it's it's if you listen, it's you can hear the roughness in my voice. It's not as polished as some of the other songs are because it's it's a lot more of a uh, raw emotion. It's a lot more of a feeling that loss and and. So. Well, you know, I've often said that any art is should be seen as a an attempt on the part of the artists to communicate the intangible, uh, to create a painting, a song, a dance, a film, um, any kind of a building. You know, architecture is art. Any kind of work of art is is an attempt to convey a feeling, a, a mindset, a thought process of the artist unto their intended audience. So, if if Brendan was able to pick up exactly what you're going for just from seeing the printed lyrics on a group chat. I would imagine that through layers of refinement, of, of vocal interpretation, of musical interpretation, of recording, of production, all of that, um, that's something that should definitely uh, you know, come through when, when, when folks listen to the song. And it's, it's an important message. It's an important message, and it's an incredibly personal one. Right. And um, you know, seeing that get put out there is, uh, boy, you know, I mean, if, if, if they always say it's, it's, it's very much cliche, but if it lands in the ears of one person, Who's thinking about making a, a devastating choice? Right. Um, exactly. Then that you know, it's that's what you're going for. That's that's what you you hope to achieve with that. And I realized I had there's a part of the song that I had written. It's it's right before the end breakdown. It says, uh, "Broken, circling the drain. I've lost my closest friend. What a bitter way to end. Tragedy. A part of me has died. The future that you couldn't see has been ripped away from me." And, and that's kind of, I realized I was writing that in his voice, uh, in, in, in reference to the divorce and losing, you know, his spouse and his family situation, um, and his turmoil at that. But then I realized that it was my voice too, is, you know, I've lost one of my yeah. closest friends, uh, and, and the future that he couldn't see has been ripped away from all of us. And so it kind of works on a, on, on two different levels there, which is. It was completely unintentional, but uh, it just uh, happened to work that way. And, and, and I get emotional every time I hear the song. I do. Yeah. In fact, I had tears coming out of my eyes this morning just wondering what Trevor would have thought about this whole thing, you know. I know there would have been no one more supportive of, of this album than he would have been. And and I miss him. Yeah. I miss him dearly. Well, I mean, that definitely comes through in the track. And... Uh... Man, I just everything on this album is so timely and so important, and just it's you know, and it's <clears throat> it's all wrapped in this music that uh, that is just so vital and so energetic and so raw, and it's it's you know, and I know I for, I, I want to I this is a fandom focused podcast. We talk about a lot of things. We talk about comics. We talk about superhero movies. We talk about music and 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 all these wonderful pop culture entertainment things. But right. Um, you know, it's it's it, because it is a fandom focused uh, podcast. I I am a fan of you as a person. I am a fan of your music. Um, and so I, I well I appreciate you letting me paint you into a corner and put you on the spot. We didn't we like like you said at the top of this episode we were going to talk about something entirely different, but at the last minute we sort of pivoted because I thought you know what no I mean this is your podcast and 
and you should definitely uh, use your, your forum and your voice to uh, to not just gas up other people's work like we do every week, but to uh, to kind of talk about something that's incredibly personal, incredibly important, and, and that you've worked really hard on. So, um, you know, I, I appreciate you letting me kind of uh, kind of throw that out, and and, uh, and initially you were reluctant to do it. I mean, I shouldn't tell people that because this is a real behind-the-scenes kind of, oh, no, I don't want to. So... Uh, if you're not going to toot your own horn, I will toot it for you every chance I get. So we're just done with phrasing, right? That's not a thing anymore. And, um, you know, if, if you're if you're somebody who listens to this podcast, I really hope that you you buy this album. And so, uh, it, gosh, you know, and especially... It's available everywhere. Pandora, iHeartRadio, yeah. YouTube, it's on Spotify. It's I mean, we're everywhere at this point. Yeah, but that's... Let's not be modest, man. That's all streaming. Where could somebody actually buy this album and put even a couple of pennies into your pocket? Because I personally believe, and you did... We talked about this before, where you said that you were a reformed comic torrenter until a creator friend of yours said, hey, you know what? If you get these things for free, uh, we're glad you read them, but it does hurt the creator, so we'd appreciate it if you started paying for stuff. I'm going to definitely listen to it uh, on a purchased version uh, because I believe in supporting not just artists but also my friends. Uh, I, I, I that's I all it's up Where on can our, somebody actually buy Ascending the Abyss? I want to say it's on our band camp. We haven't done any uh, physical copies yet. We're planning on doing a limited release of physical copies uh, coming up here shortly. Uh, pandemic's kind of set everything back as far as that kind of work goes. But Yeah, for real. Um, I want to actually throw out there is... Uh, a track that is not listed on the track list. That's why I said track 11 as well. Uh, there's a hidden track after the end, about 45 seconds in or something like that. Uh, we put a, a one of our original tracks, one of the first tracks that I wrote with Another Sentiment, was a, a, my attempt at trying to do something non-political. Because I'd realized early on that I, I do a lot of political shit and <laughs> and I wanted to kind of try and branch away from that. I wasn't going to do some kind of sappy love ballad or anything like that, but uh, listening to things like Hell Yeah and Pantera and things like that, I wanted to do uh, kind of a party song, an anthem party song. So at the end of the album, you can find a hidden track, uh, which is called How to Get Down, and we released that on our original EP, but it's a better version now. It sounds a lot better. You Yeah, it's just a lot of fun. I got I don't got a whole lot to say about that one. That's just kind of a go listen to it. I think you'll like it. So, so definitely stream it on Spotify. Listen to it on YouTube. Go to Kevin's page and listen to it there. But uh, if you want to buy it, as I highly suggest you do, as I am going to do, uh, go to anothersentiment.bandcamp.com. Uh, check out not just Ascending the Abyss, but also picking up the pieces and all the stuff that sentiment uh, that another sentiment has done previous to this. Uh, it's it's just such great music, um, you know. Even if you're not necessarily a big fan of uh, of aggressive metal, everything is just so melodic and so well written and so well produced and performed that um, you know you, you got to check it out. And again, I'm not just blowing sunshine up your ass because I love you. I'm doing it because I genuinely think you put out some good shit. So Aww. please support local music, support independent artists. Go check out another sentiment. 
on Bandcamp.com and um, you know throw a couple of bucks my boy's way because he's he's uh, put his blood, sweat, and tears into this record. Yeah, we have, and uh, we've actually already started working on the next one. So you know, no resting on laurels over Damn here. Damn straight. So. No rest for the wicked. <laughs> well, are we are we done officially talking about it? Can I can I uh, crawl <laughs> out of that hole and, and become the host again and not a a guest? I don't know. How does that work? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> well, on behalf of Jim and I, I want to thank you for listening to another episode of the Fury Fan Podcast. Once again, if you would like to track us down on the good old inner tubes, you can do that in a number of ways. You can find us on Facebook, which is facebook.com forward slash Fuel Your Fandom. You can find us in our Gmail. Send us an email at uh, fuelyourfandom at gmail.com. Backup Gmail is at fyftalentbooking at gmail.com. We're on Instagram at, at fuelyourfandom and Twitter at, at fuel underscore your. Toss the kids a couple of bucks for comics at PayPal, Cash App, and Venmo at, at fuelyourfandom. And, of course, you can always find our show uh, at all the places you get your fine podcasts, on iHeartRadio, on Spotify, on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all the places you find fine podcasts. And um, we always appreciate it whenever you want to put us in your ear holes. And if you're impatient, like I can be, the latest and greatest episodes always syndicate from our page on Buzzsprout at at feelyourfandom.buzzsprout.com. And those uh, shows always go up on Fridays. So uh, any place you find us, we appreciate that you find us, and we uh, we thank you for listening. And uh, one last plug, go and check out Another Sentiment and uh, put this album in your ear holes right along with this podcast. Right, and I want to take a, a, a moment here to give a special shout-out to the guys in in my band, Another Sentiment. Uh, uh, on uh, lead guitar, James Kane. On uh, rhythm guitar and, and occasional lead, they kind of take, take turns, is uh, Shane Hubbard. Uh, bass guitar, we got Brandon Hubbard, and uh, on drums we have Jeremy Dealer, and of course me, I'm the vocalist. I do the the yelling and the screaming for the most part. So, uh, big shout out to my boys and my brothers in this band, and I'm looking forward to uh, celebrating with you guys this release. We have a show this weekend uh, that we're gonna kind of tear it up and and get drunk and have fun and. Uh, and where's that show going on, Kev? Let's let's plug that shit. <laughs> yeah, it's if by the time this show airs, it will be tomorrow. Uh, it'll be uh, what is the day? The Saturday is what's today? Today is the twenty third, twenty fourth, twenty seventh. Jesus, already. Yeah. So okay, so this week is uh, Thanksgiving. By the time you hear this, you'll probably uh, be sleeping off the turkey tryptophan coma. Absolutely. Uh, and so I will march my ass, happy ass down to Tacoma, turkey sandwich in hand, ready to, to throw down at the plaid pig on uh, Saturday the 27th. It's going to be a blast. We're going to kind of rock out most of this album with y'all, and I look forward to seeing those of you that I'm going to see. And uh, again, like I said, I want to give a, a huge shout out to my band. I mean, I wouldn't be half the person I am without you guys in my life. I know we, we butt heads every now and again, but who doesn't? Uh, yeah. I wouldn't be anywhere without you guys. So, uh, from me, speaking for myself, speaking for Jim, speaking for another sentiment because I am the mouthpiece. I get to do that. Uh, I want to thank you guys for listening to another episode of the Fury Phantom Podcast. And please do remember what we've absolutely proven today is that everything is fandom, and fandom is everything. Take care. Ascending the abyss. Another sentiment out today. 
awesome thing about recording like this over Zoom is you don't even know whether I'm wearing pants or not. That's great. Cause you assume I am? I, I never assume you are. 